like a great chef, a great entrepreneur is um, a, a curator of knowledge, whereas they want to go and get the great right ingredients. We've got to go and get the, the, the right bits of knowledge and it's our job to piece them together. So like a great entrepreneur is like the conductor of an orchestra. They're not actually playing the musical instruments themselves, but you know they've got to know what's happening. the Kelly Lumber podcast. I'm your host, business mentor, personal brand strategist and style expert on a personal mission to inspire at least five people a day to take action, do something different and show up as that person that they aspire to be. Keep all your messages coming. It's so good to hear that you've enjoyed something different. I have loved creating these podcasts featuring men that have been clients, have been friends, just people in business that I've wanted to speak to for so, so, so long. So thank you for being one of my five a day. If you've loved this episode, please make sure that you leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend so that they feel inspired and they can also become one of the five a day. On today's show is someone that has inspired me for many years. He's been my own personal coach and he's also worked with Olympic athletes, many entrepreneurs and businesses of all different sizes. Something that Blake loves doing is he's continually intrigued by what drives human behavior, success and quality of life. And you're going to hear in this episode, we talk about the secret to business success is finding the right model and how you can leverage from that. And he's got a wealth of knowledge. He's invested heavily into personal development. And there's so much that he has got to say in terms of business success, where we're going wrong and what we can do to improve it. What he does now is he runs a practice called Hive, which is a niche coaching business with clients in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, America and Europe. The Hive runs both in-person mastermind groups and online programs, and he helps professionals like physios, chiropractitioners, podiatrists to live their greatest potential by guiding them through a six-step business recipe. Enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed creating it, and over the years, the things that we've learned and worked through together is going to help you in your business. Hi and welcome to the Kelly Loma podcast. Blake, it's so good to have you to bring all the years, I think, was it 20 years of friendship that we've had through playing sport, which was how we first met, to you coaching me, mentoring and um, just being a really good friend. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? So good. So, so good. So perhaps give the audience, because I know you super well, but those that are listening don't, why don't you give the audience a little bit of a backstory as to, to who you are, what it is that you do, and then I can step in and sort of share some of the things that I really want the audience to learn and get value from because you are such a source of wisdom when it comes to business growth, um, scaling, and just really, I would say, getting rid of those limiting beliefs in business. So over to you. Well, I guess I was on a I was on a fast track path to becoming a multimillionaire by the age of twenty one, or at least that's what I thought. Because you know, when you're at school and and you you just think that life's going to be really easy, and you go, well, you know, if I get some semi decent grades, and my grades weren't great, but then I do go to university. You know, you get sold that life track of like thinking that oh, everything is going to be amazing. I had dreams of being owning a yacht by twenty five and realized that that was absolute nonsense i realized that school didn't actually teach any of the keys to success and so i did what any self-respecting person 
would do when I dropped out of uni. I, I bitched and moaned and complained about the world. And you know, obviously it was nobody's fault other than my own, but I decided it was everyone else's fault. Fortunately, that's what got me into personal development when I was like 24, 25. That's when I stopped complaining, started a new life plan and decided, well, actually, if 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 my life was going to be better then I needed to get better. Was it Jim Rohn says, you know, work harder on yourself than you do on your business or, you know, so always just working harder on yourself. So I actually realized that I had to go and learn how to build a successful life. And I realized that there wasn't really that much out there to teach it. So my journey over the last 15 years has been trying to decode or trying to uncover the, the the recipe for how to live a fulfilled life for myself, how to build a great business, you know, all the, all of those kind of things. And that there's, there's psychology in there, there's strategy in that. But yeah, that's been, that's been my journey really. And now I run a business where we've niched what we do, where we actually work with, it's business coaching now. We work with health professionals like physios, chiros, osteos, podiatrists, and we show them how to build a profitable private practice. So we've got a group in the UK, a, a mastermind group that we run here, a mastermind group we run in Australia, New Zealand, and we built an online program as well so that we can start um, working with more people around the world. But yeah, that's me in a nutshell. So you've worked with business owners and now you've super niched into something that's really quite quite special. So what was one of the reasons why you decided to niche? Because isn't it, who is it that says that, that we talked about? Is it not John Lee Dumas that talks about the riches are in the niches? Is that what, niches, is that what I we say? I think that's his phrase. Yeah, it's just too hard <laughs> to be good at everything. <laughs> like it just takes too much time. Uh, the way I was taught it was, and I was so against niching because I wanted to save the entire world, you know, like uh, just be able to work with anyone. And you think that if you try and work with everyone, then, you know, if you niche, then you're you're limiting your, your reach, you're limiting your market. But it, it's it's totally the opposite because it was taught to me, like, if you've got a bad knee, do you want to go to the GP, the general practitioner, or do you want to go to a knee specialist? And if you just so happen to have a, a, a ruptured cruciate ligament, do you want to go to the knee specialist or you do want to go to the cruciate ligament specialist? And the question then becomes, who gets paid more? Well, the person who's niched of the niche, like the specialist of the specialist, gets paid 10 times more than the general practitioner. So, I mean, like just from a business model, being niched not only makes you an expert very quickly, but also it makes your marketing a hundred times easier because you actually can speak specifically to somebody's specific pain. You can articulate. And what do they say? Like if you can, you can articulate somebody's problem better than they can, they'll automatically think you have, they'll automatically assume you have the solution. So like all the marketing we do really connects with people, which makes it easier for us to obviously get clients, help people and grow our business. I'd love to talk a little bit about the journey that we went on from moving from being a full-time celebrity stylist. You actually helped and coached me through the whole process of leveraging leveraging a business to becoming online. And that sort of journey for me was stopping celebrity styling full-time, going into then mentoring fashion stylists, which then actually very quickly became clear that it wasn't just fashion stylists that needed help. It was people that were looking for help with their brand, their business, and growing it from there. Maybe 
maybe to share with the audience some of the steps that we took or that you thought were super obvious in those early days of actually transitioning a business? Because it's super scary when you're in one job, whether it's a corporate job or whether you're doing something else to go, do you know what? I'm completely going to go and change this. What were some of the things that do you remember that you're like, right, you need to do this and you need to do this? Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to have a model. You've got to have a vehicle. Go, have it, building a business is like going on a journey. And mm-hmm. so we need some vague idea of a destination. Harder when you're a startup because startups are an absolute mess and there's a lot of hustle. You don't really know. But you've got to, get, you've got to have something to aim for that's realistic you know, you can't just go, right, I'm going to make a million pounds. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. We've got to start by going, okay, well, where do we want to go to and what do we want the model to look like? So your business model is your vehicle. So I think one of the first things we looked at was, okay, well, what is a business, an information-based business, what does that look like? And so mm-hmm. we packaged your information. We worked out what you did just through a bit of an interview. You ordered that information going, okay, well, the first thing I need to do is this and then this and then this and then this and then this. So you captured your recipe of like, how do you build a styling business, which is now what you've done with personal branding, right? So you've got a recipe that people can follow. And actually it's people aren't just buying you or wanting your advice. They're wanting your actual recipe that knows, okay, well, what what steps do I need to follow? What ingredients do I need? And what order in what amount? And then what technique do I need to put these together into actually bake the cake? I want the same results as Kelly. So what were the steps she took? And I think, by the way, everyone should have a mentor of some, in some way, shape or form or some form of advice. I don't, like, it's just too much like hard work trying to work it out for yourself. Um, I'm part of two mastermind groups because why would I want to go and work everything out for myself when I can just go and hang around with people who already know it and can give me the recipe? So we looked at your recipe and then it was and then it was a case of okay, what does the model look like rather than just let's go and help people. It was okay, what are you going to charge? What's involved with that? And we started with the or as I call it, the first iPhone, right? Because when Steve Jobs learned, la- launched the first iPhone, you get to a stage which is purely guesswork where you go, I don't know if people are going to like this or not, but at some stage you've got to put the phone in somebody's hands and then they go, okay, well, this thing, we love this, we hate that, we don't use this and we want more of this. So Steve Jobs then goes, right, cool, let's iterate and let's make version two. And what are we on now, version 14, 15, 16, I, I don't know, like, you know, and those are just iterations. So you've got to start with some sort of model that you believe is your best guess or your realistic chance of really working. And again, that model has to be able to get you to where you want to go. So we start creating a you know a 12 month vision. Mm. If everything worked out perfectly for the next 12 months, what specifically would you like your business or your life to look like in 12 months? So we start with that and then we work back. One of the things I love about Um, or I've loved working about you is the ability for you to simplify things. You're amazing at that. And that, the, the, the story there about the recipe, super simple for people to follow. What is your recipe and what are people buying into when you're baking the cake there? But also the analogy there of what you're putting out is the first version of the iPhone. And then the, the iterations from that and people get so kind of caught up and going that it's going to be perfect and it's going to be this and nine times out of 10, when you start, what you start doing is not what you're still doing three, four or five years later. 
Absolutely. which is which I think is one of the most interesting things. I wanted to touch a little bit more on the fact of you dropped in about masterminds, but you've actually seriously invested in masterminds this year. Why did you invest in a mastermind? Or it's not one, you did two, I think. Was that right? You were saying in their pre-chat, two masterminds you've been part of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm part of two masterminds. So I think I invest about $75,000 a year, $76,000 a year um, to be part of those two masterminds. And which seems like a lot, but it's not. <laughs> and what I mean is it's just too hard to work it all out for yourself. Like it just takes too long. So, yeah, I just I just feel like. Actually, let me take a step back this because I was thinking about this the other day. I quite like um, cookery programs and I like seeing restaurateurs and how they build and everything like that. And what I realized about the top chefs in the world is they spend a huge amount of time. Yes, they're skilled. They know how to cook. That's for sure. They went and did cookery classes. They know how to cook. They've got experience cooking. That's the skill, like skill of running a business. But they spend a lot of time finding the best produce, right? So they spend a lot of time researching the best produce because you can't make a great meal out of poor produce, You can't make a great bottle of wine out of bad grapes, right? Just like you can't build a great business with crappy knowledge, right? There's a right way of doing things. There's a wrong way of doing things, broadly speaking. So trying to work everything out in yourself is like just going into the kitchen, getting a random group of ingredients and trying to create a masterpiece. It's just going to be a mess. So I realized that when I looked at, the last few years about the things that I've done that have actually created success and built our business is it was always advice from someone else, or is it, it was always a piece of knowledge that I'd found from someone else, whether that's through mm-hmm. podcasts or that, whether that was then engaging and paying for a consultant or somebody helping me with my funnel or going and finding an expert or going and finding the right designer or going and finding the right copywriter. And so I felt like, like a great chef, a great entrepreneur is um, a, a curator of knowledge, whereas they want to go and get the great right ingredients. We've got to go and get the, the the right bits of knowledge and it's our job to piece them together. So like a great entrepreneur is like the conductor of an orchestra. They're not actually playing the musical instruments themselves, but you know they've got to know what's happening. And so I guess the reason I, I'm part of a couple of miles, miles is because I just got really lazy. And I thought, oh, wow, this is great. I could just pay to go and hang out with some of the smartest people on the planet. And all in one room were some of the best YouTube experts in the world, some of the best people who run, say, model as me, um, but are doing it way better than me, automation experts, funnel experts. I'll just get hang out with them and... When I don't know what I'm doing, which is a lot of the time, I ask. I, I came to the conclusion, I don't know how anyone's successful without help, without either a mentor or a mastermind group, you know? It's too yeah. hard. Yeah. What has been, so if you can think off the top of your head, because I kind of put you on the spot here, five things that you've learned from attending your mastermind your masterminds this year because you've just come back from what six days in LA you were there earlier this year your next masterminds going to the Bahamas and uh, Florida 
So apart from the fabulous destinations, which I don't think you see a lot of unless you extend the stay, five things that have been game changing from you this year that you wouldn't have learned had you not been? Well, number one, focus. Um, and that's not exclusive. Food. Well, that, there was that story I heard where a journalist years back was interviewing Warren Buffett and uh, Bill Gates. And this is early on. Apparently, they're now friends. But this was earlier on. And the interviewer said, look, gave him a bit of paper and said, look, if there was one thing that you could say was the key to your success, what would that be? Write it down on a bit of paper. And as the story goes, when they turned over the bit of paper, they both had exactly the same word on it. And it was one word. It said focus. And so if you don't have focus, then, you know, you're trying to do 10 things averagely, just do one thing exceptionally well. So what I realized from the mastermind group was, was, was just a huge amount of intensity and intention on the advertising and lead gen side of things the second piece to that would be about numbers is the language of business i think that's a um, keith cunningham quote but numbers is the language of business again warren buffett talks about that as well uh, you've got to know what he said if you don't know the score you can't tell the winners from the losers and yeah you've just got to know your numbers so there's numbers then behind marketing way more and these guys are all like doing daily sheets of this was exactly our ad spend this was our conversion rate and just putting a clear dashboard together of 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 exactly the the, the funnel statistics so that was another big one for me what else what else i think um again having the right model is essential don't wish to have a million pound business without a model that can actually get you there. So we talked about having the destination that you want to get to, but you've got to have the model that will get you there. For example, if you want to get to the moon, best not to try doing it on a tricycle. Now you, you, you've got to have a rocket ship if you want to get to the moon. right? And so again, understanding the factors that make up a business model, you know, can totally limit your success or, enable your success but then I, I just learned I just I just learned a lot of the the tech whether we love it or not but a lot of the tech that runs online marketing but a big take as well is how yes there are a lot of people who just do online marketing but the best people do both there's the offline marketing as I would call it um, or the 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 legwork marketing. I guess I guess you I guess you could actually argue everything's online now, but you've got like the paid side of things. I'm talking like actually emails, but I'm talking like direct mail as well. I'm talking about speaking at events because those activities fuel what you do online. So what you end up then getting is this organism that all works together that sort of each part drives each other. Mm. I don't think that was five, but uh, those are the first ones. That-, that was four, but it was quite interesting, that point there. I listened to a Stephen Bartlett LinkedIn video, and I've shared this quite a few times in my presentations, but one of the things that he talks about in terms of, you know, he's all about the online space, but what was really interesting that he'd said, which really linked with the personal brand, was 70% of his leads were coming through people that had seen him speak on stage or watch the video online. 
So, okay, the yeah. video online, but the speak on stage is offline, which then resulted in, I think, another sort of 70% of the income that was reaching his bank account. This is more from the personal brand side, had come from a personal brand initiative, was through that sort of space. So, I, the online space you're saying is sort of like the paid ads, but the offline is, you know, the the email marketing and everything that you're doing that's not necessarily in a paid sense of um, online market or paid sense of online marketing. Just to touch on that, this the email marketing. It's a bit of a uh, challenge I'm having with some clients, and I know it's something that you know you've spoken about because you've spoken to me about it through your mastermind. Is that email marketing and your database? is golden. And that is something that you really should be nurturing. And so many people don't nurture their database, either they don't have one, they don't nurture it, or they solely rely on social media, which as I've seen and witnessed a number of times, things like that can be hacked, you can lose your client um, connections. What sort of thoughts and advice have you got on that? Well, you nailed it when you said nurturing because we need to be playing the long game as well as the short game. You know, short game might be how many sales am I going to make this week or which clients am I going to work with this week? But you, yeah, you got to play the long game in this as well, which is about building your list and nurturing those people in your list. And you'd be amazed. I bet you've had this at some stage yourself where like, because I've had this where somebody jumps on and becomes a client with us and they say to me, oh yeah, I can't, been reading your emails I came to that event you ran seven years ago I'm like we've been nurturing for seven years and then boom <laughs> they come on and buy and just timing wasn't right for that yeah you also nailed another piece which is owning the database you said like the algorithms change people get hacked when your when your business is on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube like it's precarious it's fine because all it takes is for facebook to change the advertising algorithms or apple to do an update about the way that really hit us last year you know it changed the game so suddenly that's why like online marketing is always evolving because you know the algorithms keep changing and as more people advertise the efficacy of those ads come down and then we need to look for other platforms or other ways so even now we're looking at setters and closers we're moving more to youtube and youtube ads because the targeting is better the re the targeting on facebook has reduced its efficacy so actually the email list is something that you own mm. so you take over time you might take people from the other platforms feed them into a data capture whether that's a, a funnel a bsl funnel whether it's actually just registrations for a webinar uh, whether it's people who've shown up in an event and you create your own master list that you own right and that, that that's what you alluded to it's 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 really important and you never know you you just got to keep nurturing them because you never know when they're going to then whether when they're then going to drop or the time is right because the goal of that is to build credibility likability and trust so we consistently m- speaking with our database connecting with them because it's people and we just want to connect with people and we help them we send them good quality stuff we keep them in our orbit we stay top of mind and when the time is right then they can join i interviewed lucy bradley recently and we did a market um a marketing like masterclass. and she's also been one of your clients in the past 
And one of the things that she talks hugely about is offline marketing in the sense of non-paid traditional ads. But email list is something that she talked a lot about and how to, to nurture it and some of the things that you can be doing. So if you haven't listened to that one, I would suggest that you go back and listen to her. It's about 45 minutes. And, and that you actually worked with her as well to help her build that sort of leverage um, business. And I know that she talks about you a lot. I bet she might have even talked about you on the podcast, but I've seen her mention you on LinkedIn and the things that you've helped her install um, into her business. What are some of the mistakes that you see people like myself, other business owners um, make when it comes to owning a business and running a business? Lack of focus on the numbers. Mm -hmm. and just a general lack of clarity if i were to go big umbrella term about where people they're not they're not they don't have total clarity on their model or they don't have total clarity on what they do and who they do it for which is ultimately Mm -hmm. the clarity of their messaging and again you just got to bring it back to numbers is the language of business yeah i remember grant cordon said business is a contact sport whoever has the most contacts in terms of numbers wins and I always kind of thought well that makes sense and in that way but also then the amount of contact contacts will result in the numbers that you have in in your revenue that you close and the things that you bring in as well yeah for sure so if if someone's lacking that clarity piece what would be steps that you would say to them how would you get someone clearer on the, that that on clarity clearer on clarity is that a thing <laughs> actually there i have these planners made up every year which and i call them certainty and clarity plan and i take clients through it to like just get clear on map out the year before it so finish your year before it starts i if next year went beautifully well what would it look like where would you end up um so they're called certainty and clarity planner but in covid it was quite funny when we had a certainty and clarity planner because all the clients were like, yeah, that's that's ironic. So the clearest, the easiest way to get clarity is first to look backwards um, because the, the past leaves clues. So let's say, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I were to work with a, with a business, first thing I'd do is like, let's create a bit of a scoreboard for what happened over the last 12 months. Let's not lo- use our gut and try and guess because go, thinking with your gut stands for giving up thinking. If you go with your gut, you go, ah, I'm just going to guess. That's what going with your gut means. We don't want to go with our gut. We want to make informed decisions. To make informed decisions, we need some information. So let's say when I work with a healthcare practice, for example, I I actually just give them a template. I'm like, fill this out. And we look back the last six months minimum, but ideally 12 months. And we go, right, how much money came in each month? Turnover. Are we financially or KPI-wise, Every business needs to look at their numbers monthly at least. We don't need to look at them daily, but we can't look at them yearly because it's just too long a period. We can't react. So if we look back, we go turnover each month, profit each month, cash flow each month. 99.9% of business owners don't know that. But turnover, profit, cash flow. Then depending on your business, there are going to be some key metrics that run your business. Like, well, how many clients do I have? What are they? What have they spent on average? I.e., what's their average spend? How many new clients do I have each month? You know, for a, like a healthcare practice, we look at well, what was the rebook rate? 
What were the cancellations? How many DNAs did not attend were they? What's the net promoter score of customer satisfaction? So like with healthcare practices, we do 15 metrics. But any business can do that and create a, a scoreboard that they fill out monthly that informs their decision. So that we get clarity, we look backwards, mm-hmm. we do a review and we go, what trends were good? What trends were bad? Where are the opportunities? You know, what, what are we doing well? But then where are the opportunities? Now, are we actually holding on to clients that we that we actually have? Are we putting enough love, care, and attention to the to our existing clients, or do we just keep losing them? Really hard to grow a business if you keep losing your clients. So, how do we put more mm. intention, more care into those? So, once we've created a six or twelve month um, scoreboard for what happened in the last twelve months, we can then start looking at okay, well, what do we want that to look like moving forward? The funny way I say it is if Santa sent you, I know you love Christmas, if Santa sent you an elf and the elf had an L plate on and the elf turned up and said, Kelly, Santa sent me, sent me specifically for you. And Santa said that he would happily give you whatever you wanted for Christmas, but I'm just an elf in training. So I need a bit more time. So I can't do it for this Christmas, but I promise you whatever you ask for, I will give it to you next Christmas. So we're talking at least 12 months away, right? We don't want to make a one-month vision. We want to make a 12-month vision. So most business owners would go, oh, I, I, I want more money. I want better business. And so the L play elf goes back to Santa and goes, Kelly wants more money and a better business. Santa goes, mm, not, not clear enough. Go and ask. <laughs> Go and ask her to be specific. Give her this little bit of paper. And the little bit of paper says, you know, what monthly turnover do you want? What team specifically do you need in place to make that happen? What profit margin do you need? How many uh, patients or clients do you need? And what are they spending average spend per month? Now, that snapshot takes about 30 seconds to write, but it actually might take you an entire day to really get clear on, what the reality would be of your ideal scenario in 12 months time. But we need to be able to tell the elf what it is we want ideally for Christmas next year. Because if we we can't hit a target that doesn't exist, you can't hit a goal that doesn't exist. We have to have something clear to aim for. We've got to have some sort of guiding light to aim for. And then Santa shall deliver Mm -hmm. that for you. I love it. I love it. So as we're speaking about what is on your Santa's list in the next 12 months, what's what's on your vision for next year then? Lead gen and then moving to setters and uh, like setters and closers where we actually start capturing um, uh, like phone numbers so they actually can connect with people more directly. Mm-hmm. We want to then focus more on our YouTube channel because that is something that lasts, is content that lasts and the algorithms for ads are way better and the targeting's better on there. So it's like Facebook's coming down in efficiency for us anyway. We're going to put more um, focus in YouTube. And a big one for us next year is direct mail. So again, we're really mm-hmm. going to play with this mix of online versus offline because we've got to bring marketing back to the idea we're just dealing with people. Yeah. And so actually sending something in the post is is a huge thing. So we're building this organism where we're moving over to YouTube, investing in our organic channel, bringing in direct mail, and then just really focusing on that consistency. So I that's love basically it. Us. Love it. 
one of the things that we talked about in our pre-podcast chat was, you know, that becoming the best version of yourself, which everything that you talk about in business and in terms of, you know, it's about one of the big things I remember that you taught me in business was it's about the journey, not the destination. Sure, we've talked that you need to have some idea of the destination of where it's going. But on that journey, it's about you becoming that best version of yourself. And you touched on it at the very beginning about, you know, you investing in yourself. What would you say to someone who's listening going, I really want to show up as the best version of myself in my business every day? What sort of things have you got to share with them? Success is quite boring. It's about doing the basics every day. You become an Olympic athlete by training every day. And every day, you don't do a different workout every day. You might have a set of, um, you know, a training plan that you rotate. But ultimately, it's largely the same day in, day out, day in, day out. So the boring answer is about discipline, discipline, discipline. And actually, that's one of the things we were chatting out a bit beforehand. I'm like, I'm desperate to have a clear bit of space where I can just be boring and do the same thing every single day because I've just traveled and I had a holiday, which is a nice thing and it's an important thing to do. But I had three weeks away from my business. Then I had a week catching up and working with clients. So like I'm just desperate to get into that boring stage of every morning, just doing something simple. And I, I think people think it needs some massive effort to be really successful or something really intelligent doesn't not really doesn't need any of that it just needs consistently every single day doing specific actions that you know are going to march you towards your your ultimate dream what's that i can't remember who it's from but he says the most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing and (laughs) it's so true if every day you just woke up and your focus was towards whatever that one most important thing was, whether that at the time was lead generation or sales and the hours of your day went towards that. Whereas I think so many people are still sort of floundering. I'll just go and do general stuff. I'll just go to networking events or, and they haven't yet identified what are those basic tasks on a daily basis that are actually going to create that snowball effect you know and that was same for me as well when I you know it was a reset for me earlier in the year to see the level of intensity that these other guys were marking it marketing at and I just realized wow I just really need to shift my focus and go way deeper into that so every day waking up what's the most important thing because the most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing so and the activities need to reflect that I love that as such a good sort of statement to end on. Basic tasks on a daily basis. What are the things that you need to be doing? Thank you so much for your time. How can people find you? I mean, I know that you you have niched into working with, you know, healthcare professionals, but you know, if someone's got a question, they want to know more, where can they find you? Well, Instagram, because as you know, I'm an Instagram pro. I'm joking. I Kelly, Kelly's <laughs> Kelly is my mentor when it comes to personal branding, and I'm not a great student, but uh, <laughs> I'm getting better and better. I'm way better than I ever was, which, by yeah, the way, is yeah. well, that was a key theme. When I looked at the people in my mastermind room of who was doing really well, a big key to it was personal brand. 
because a business is just a reflection of the owner. And so those with a great personal brand, like the numbers some of these guys were doing is was amazing. You know, and, and, and I think that's an area, it's a young, I mean, you're at the forefront of it, but developing that part of understanding how you come across, whether 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 it's just for a career, your career, or whether you're a business owner, like you you need that personal brand because you're just stacking the deck in your favor. Because ultimately, people will buy from you when you've built credibility, likability, and trust. Mm-hmm. If you can do that in advance via personal branding and be very intentional about how you want to come across and then be consistent about that messaging, like you're just stacking the deck in your favor. So. I think you're onto something there and I need to listen to your advice. Music to my ears. You're on Instagram. <laughs> you're, um, you're for billionaires on Instagram, aren't you? Yeah, but just my name, Blake Sargent. I am. I'm the only one in the world, actually. Fabulous. Well, thank yes, you so no. much for your time. I so, so, so appreciate it. And I've wanted to do this for so long. You have helped me so much in my business and my journey as an entrepreneur and I am so 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 grateful so thank you for your time and I look forward to having a glass of wine with you very soon sounds good thanks Kelly did you enjoy this episode if you did then please leave a review on apple podcast this is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here even better you can also share this on social media screenshot it and share it on your instagram or on your facebook or on your twitter account the more people that see these episodes the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference and if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand then check out our new website brand new creators designed by our in-house team and we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility build industry authority lead change motivate and profit who doesn't want that i look forward to speaking to you soon until next time bye